0: up next the truth with lisa booth part of the gingrich 360 network so i want you the audience to know that before we get to this next episode it was recorded on wednesday august 25th before bombs went off in afghanistan that have left american citizens dead afghans dead we are going to do the best we can to bring you timely and important interviews about what's going on in afghanistan the best we can but i just want to let you know that our prayers our thoughts our hearts go out to the family members who have lost loved ones it is gut-wrenching it is a tragedy please pray for our country and please pray for the folks who have now lost a brother a sister a son a father a husband please pray for america (gasps) Welcome back to The Truth with Lisa Booth. One issue I'm really interested in, uh, well, one, most importantly, let's get our Americans out of Afghanistan. We need an administration, a president that has the will to get Americans out of Afghanistan. And secondly, never forgive this president who left Americans behind in the first place. It's a disgrace. It's despicable. It is a stain on the Biden administration. We should never forgive him. Never let them forget it. Now the question is also heading into, as we're already seeing uh, Afghan refugees touchdown in America, they're not going to be able to get deported. What does that process look like? What should you know about all of this? Uh, this week for this show, I've got Stephen Miller, who you all know as a, a top advisor to President Trump. He was a senior advisor on policy, as well as worked on speech writing for the Trump administration for President Trump. And right now he's also leading a group called America First Legal, focusing on some of the big legal issues we're facing, pushing back against the left on some of the terrible policies they're trying to implement right here in America. And and this is what we're gonna get to today. We're gonna talk about what are the consequences of bringing tens of thousands of people you cannot vet here to the United States, When you also have an open southern border, when you have a wide open southern border. So we're going to get into all this today. And it is my pleasure to welcome Stephen Miller to the show. Stephen, thanks so much for joining The Truth with Lisa Booth.
4: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: You know, Stephen, we look at these numbers and literally only 5% of the people who have been evacuated from Afghanistan are from the United States, are Americans yet we have evacuated tens of thousands of Afghan refugees. Why isn't the Biden administration prioritizing Americans?
4: Well, part of the reason for that is because not nearly enough pressure has been placed on them to prioritize Americans. Uh, You know, from the beginning, the message from Washington, D.C. was not get Americans out first. I was frankly astonished to see that there wasn't more of an emphasis on that point from Congress, from people in Washington, D.C. And so the Biden administration felt like it could get away with just bringing out generalized refugees without any priority or any emphasis on Americans, which fit neatly with their ideological objectives of ramping up refugee resettlement, right? Because the backdrop to this is that the Biden administration terminated President Trump's curbs on refugee resettlement, his travel bans, and his other defenses against importing radical jihadism and other terrorist threats into the United States. So there's a belief inside the Biden administration that's very intentional that it's a good thing for America to have as many refugees as possible from war-torn regions all over the world. And this goes back to the Obama administration, although it's, it's much more radical now in the Biden administration, but... You may recall in the Obama administration, after he drew the failed red line in Syria, and the general policy of the Obama administration helped to precipitate all manner of atrocities, or to enable all manner of atrocities in Syria, there's a big push by Obama to resettle massive numbers of Syrian refugees into the United States. And at the time, Republicans understood that that represented an unconscionable risk to our national security and that it made a lot more sense to resettle refugees from Syria in other countries. When president Trump came into office, we basically suspended most Syrian refugee resettlement and we prioritized resettlement in other countries. For example, in places like Jordan, other areas in the middle east where we've had success in placing syrian refugees and other refugees that's better for the refugees because it's easier from an integration standpoint and it's certainly better for the united states of america from both a security and financial standpoint but that's all the ideological backdrop for what you're seeing today now one other important point on this is that there are republicans who have along obviously with Democrats who have made the argument that we need to evacuate our Afghan allies. Now, there's a lot that I would have to say on that subject, but here's the thing, Lisa. Even by those own terms, Joe Biden isn't doing what people think he's doing. In other words, the people on those airplanes are not, by and large, anybody who have had any substantive or meaningful involvement in the u.s war effort the all of my sources some of whom um are very well placed in the u.s government are all unanimous in stating that the vast majority of those being evacuated would not even be eligible under a proper evaluation for what is known as a special immigrant visa which is the controversial program that for the last 20 years has brought about a hundred thousand people out of Syria, sorry, out of Iraq and Afghanistan, to the United States who perform some form of government service. But again, it doesn't it doesn't matter because even if that is your position, even if you are a member of Congress who's saying we want to evacuate uh, the special immigrant visa holders, that's not what the Biden administration is doing. They're just randomly pulling Afghans who can just manage to get to the airport with the Taliban's blessing. That's the extent. Of the selection process that's currently happening in again in the vast majority of cases And the last thing i'll say about this is do you really think the people that we want the most or that we would want the most out of the country for any reason are the people the taliban is letting through to the airport i mean let's use common sense here the The vast, vast, vast majority of people that are getting to the airport are getting to the airport because the Taliban is allowing them to get to the airport. That should really tell you everything you need to know.
0: Actually, that's a really great point. I've not heard anyone make that. Uh, You know, I mean, there's so many different layers to this. you were talking about the special immigrant visas, basically the position of the media and the left and the way this has been couched is, as you were saying, that the only people that we're letting through, the people that we're evacuating are these special immigrant visa holders that somehow – Uh, You know, these are the people that were translators or fought alongside us, but we know that's not true. I mean, since 2007, when the special immigrant visas. Uh, for translators started until March of 2021. There's only been less than 750 people that have come to the United States on that visa alone. Also, it is much more broad than that. It can include, uh, you know, food server, part of a government contractor. I mean, the program is so much larger, even if you're just specifically talking about the special immigrant visas.
4: Correct. There, yeah. So there's more than, right, there's, there's not, there's more than one special immigrant visa and Congress has, has tinkered with it and expanded it. And adopted various iterations of it. And so, you're correct that the that the narrower translator or interpreter program has brought out comparatively fewer individuals. When they created an additional program that broadened it to include government workers in general, uh, in other words, people who are performing deliveries, who have you know an office job at the consulate, um, say, you know, helping to um, Translate documents, whatever it may be, but not people who are going out on, on convoys or what have you. Uh, we use that broader category then that gets you to um, to one hundred thousand for both Iraq and Afghanistan since the program was was authorized but but again that's not even even under that incredibly broad definition uh, you know where somebody was a delivery driver um, who who would not be considered a a substantive contributor to the U.S. war effort. Um, it doesn't it, even, even under that very, very loose definition, that's not who is being evacuated in the vast majority of cases. And I wanna get into a little bit more in a moment about what the evacuation process is and why we should all be gravely concerned. But I do think the SIV issue merits a, a thoughtful conversation for a moment. But again, it's kind of a misdirection because that's not who Biden is evacuating by and large. In other words, they're not people who in the normal course of time would pass every level of screening and every level of evaluation for a special immigrant visa. But just for a moment on the special immigrant visa, the United States has been at war in Afghanistan for 20 years. We have spilled blood of thousands of American soldiers to secure a Taliban free future, that was the the mission, at least at the outset, for the people of Afghanistan. The mission obviously evolved over time. And many, many war, many, many more were gravely wounded in life altering ways in Afghanistan. So we have left behind not only our best and our bravest, but we've also brought home many who continue to bear both the physical wounds of war and of course the psychological wounds of war we did that for them we were fighting for their future there's many people in america who think we should have never had that mission but we did that was the mission that george bush set those soldiers out to fight it is not correct to say just as a factual matter that the that the the people who were performing government jobs for a, for the U S government during the occupation, for example, like a delivery driver or somebody say, providing a, um, a taxi service for it, for a diplomat, they were fighting for us. It's their country and their country's future. And in anything resembling, a coherent military occupation. The people that are supporting the U.S. government should want to stay and build their own country's future. The nation-building mission was doomed from the beginning by the fact that hundreds of thousands of people that were working with the U.S. government in all manner of positions of contractors, etc all wanted to get u.s green cards and u.s citizenship but our but our military brass and our foreign policy establishment was so dense and so myopic they couldn't even understand and i used to raise this issue when i was in the white house just as a philosophical proposition not even a policy question they couldn't understand how the writing was on the wall for the american occupation if the people that were supposed to be the 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 core of our presence there by the military's own terms didn't want to stay there how is that ever going to work i mean could you imagine if during the um the american occupation uh, in say japan that the government policy was anybody who drives any american anywhere or provides any food service or delivery service or translation service should be in a pipeline to leave japan tense on its own merits Now, obviously, at this exact moment in time, there are a there are a subset of people who perform services for the U.S. government in deeper and more substantive ways that are in real danger. But this is a very important point here. The reason they are in danger is because of Joe Biden and his imbecility. He surrendered all operational control in Afghanistan to the Taliban pre-evacuation. So we could have very, very easily under even if, if a, you know, if, to use President Trump's example, even if a five year old child was running this evacuation, uh, we could have very easily pulled out any high value assets first, safely relocated them to a third country and then had a U.S. policy debate where people could have argued their positions about whether they thought they should come to America, whether they thought they should be a third country. And, you know, you have your view, I have my view, other people have their view. But the reality is that opportunity evaporated the instant, the second, the moment that Joe Biden pulled out the troops before the evacuation. So it's important to be clear that every single person who does, in fact, face a threat from the Taliban that we would have any foreign policy interest in removing is in that situation solely because of Joe Biden. And for that reason and that reason, Alone. But again, this represents a minuscule, tiny fraction of the evacuation that's taking place right now, which is just pulling people out of Afghanistan whose sole criteria is they don't want to live in Afghanistan. In a country of 40 million people, you might imagine there's a lot of people who think that living in the United States of America and having access to free health care and having access to free public housing, which you get as a refugee, is better than staying in in Afghanistan, but it doesn't serve our interest as a country. And the last thing I'll say on this point is that before we have any follow-ups, is that the the French have lived through this very experiment and witnessed its failure in the most spectacular of fashions, where they decolonized, they pulled uh, their empire back, and then they had open immigration for decades from their former colonies including from places that have very prevalent strain and Islamic extremism. And we are now doing the same thing here in the United States and and simplistic sound bites about passing background insult the intelligence of the American people. And I'll explain why briefly. If you're an Afghan national who goes through a perfunctory background check. In other words, not like a year and a half of vetting like we do for refugees, but just you get put in the system and you see what hits. Most of these people have no records at all. They have no documents. They don't even have an Afghan, Afghanistan passport. They're just a mystery to us. And so some of them do in fact hit and have hit. I've heard from my sources on terrorism watch lists. But but others just have no records. They are, but here's, but here's what logic and common sense dictates. If you move 30, 40, 50,000 Afghan nationals from Afghanistan to the United States of America, which is what the Biden administration is in the problem, there will be a subset of those people who even if they're not members of terrorist organizations are ideologically sympathetic to radical jihadism. And that will create the recruiting ground in our own country or terrorism like happened in France for the situation. You know, if you draw a cartoon of the of the Prophet Muhammad, you could face mortal peril. Those kinds of situations become more possible because of a policy like this. And finally, what we've seen in France is it isn't limited to the first generation. When you have a very large group of migrants and the assimilation process breaks down, the second and third generation can get radicalized. So we're really heading into dangerous territory here. And just to really underline the point, this isn't about humanitarian objectives. We could resettle 10 times more refugees for the exact same cost in countries in the Middle East and in Southeast Asia. This is a political decision by the Biden administration. Not a humanitarian one.
0: I completely agree with what you said, and you know, and the thing that people don't understand is even in a perfect world. Look, we saw blue and green attacks with people who we thought we were friends, people who we thought were vetted. the nine The nine eleven hijackers came in on a student visa, business, tourism visas. This isn't even in a perfect world where vetting takes place and you're trying to do things right. What you're laying out is we have. Chaos. We have an absolutely imperfect world. There's been reports that blank visas were sent out to Afghans. We don't know who 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 these people are that are getting on flights. And it's not exactly like you can just call up the Taliban and be like, hey, you know, I want to you know, do a background check with these people. We don't know who they are. But the problem is they're already starting to touch base here in the United States. I and mean, we are already getting reports that people have touched down in Texas at Fort Bliss. Yeah. So, yeah, they're already landing. So At this point, you're not going to deport them. Like, where would we send them? So they're here on American soil. So, I mean, what, what? So this
4: question, how much vetting could have possibly occurred in the several days between when they landed in, for example, Doha and then ended up in Dallas? I mean, use common sense here. The how I mean, people, this isn't a television show. Where we have these amazing, perfect, extraordinary databases and we just run somebody's fingerprints and it's like, oh, they were born in this province and they went to school here and they graduated here and they have this, they had that. We don't have anything resembling that. For every, one, for every one terrorist that we have biometrics for, there's dozens, hundreds that we don't. But, but again, on top of that, this is a really important point to underline that people may not appreciate. The state department does not do ideological screening for visas. They do not inquire about your belief system. In other words, if you subscribe to the tenets of jihadism that support the use of violence for religious acts, those questions are not asked. They are not answered. They are not addressed. And so you can end up again with a situation like we've seen in France and other European countries where you create the conditions for people to be recruited into terrorism in the United States. But it's not just terrorism, just from a quality of life standpoint, I think most people would agree that you want to have people immigrate to this country who believe in and embrace the tenets of American society, American customs and American habits. And nothing of that kind is screened for at all in these sorts of selection processes. And so you can end up, In a dangerous and frankly irreversible situation and 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 to your point about in the best of all possible worlds not being the case we are indeed in the worst of all possible worlds you have people being flown hour after hour out of afghanistan to military bases then being put on planes to the united states and nobody really has any idea who most of these people are and so again it's not it's not just the fact that as you pointed out we've seen uh, people we've worked with in Afghanistan commit violence against U.S. troops, including fatal violence. But, but we have people here that we have absolutely no record of at all, who in many cases never even work with the government. It's just an indiscriminate, open-ended refugee resettlement operation. And everyone that we bring in who then gets a green card, who then becomes a citizen, will have the ability to bring in their, their family and then their family's family and their family's family onto the 10th degree, and so you create a large and growing pull factor from that part of the world into the United States where there's really no way of knowing who ultimately will come in as a result of that.
0: We need to take a quick break and then more on Afghan refugees with Stephen Miller. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com Lisa. I think what makes me the angriest, well, what makes me the angriest is the fact that we have an administration uh, who seems comfortable with leaving Americans behind because we know that President Trump would have never done that. That would have been a priority. We saw that throughout the Trump administration. You saw it firsthand while working as a senior advisor to the president. But take hostages and getting hostages and detainees from around the world was a priority of the the Trump administration. There's no way on God's green earth he would have left Americans behind. But what also makes me angry is the Biden administration is trying to tout and frame this as mission accomplished because of the numbers that they're evacuating. They're saying, oh, well, we're evacuating over 80,000 people when only 5 percent of those people are Americans. So what disgusts me is they're trying to claim victory, one, for a mess they created, and then two, for evacuating Afghan refugees, not Americans. It's it's, it's like, I, I don't even know what kind of country we're living in right now.
4: I've been stunned beyond belief to see the administration try to take credit for the number of random people it's extracted from Afghanistan. As though that were the mission. In other words, we have thousands of Americans trapped behind Taliban lines and they want credit for, well, we didn't get the Americans, but we filled planes with random people and we don't know who they are, but we got them out. I mean, it's, it's so offensive. So insulting. It's also a complete and total violation of the president's constitutional duty. Um, it is, it is truly beyond imagination that we are going to leave regardless of whether or not we get the American citizens out, but count it as a success that we've brought out, again, random Afghan nationals who don't want to live in the country. And, 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 and the reality is, is that the Taliban is going to have a hard time. They're going to have a hard time maintaining control over a unified country. We've seen the civil wars in Afghanistan um, in the 90s, and especially because many Afghans have gotten used to, particularly in the capital city, to a certain standard of living under the American-backed government for the last uh, couple decades. It, the Taliban's task of maintaining its grip and control of the country will be made easier by the United States uh, pulling out of Afghanistan every person who wants to leave, regardless of whether or not they're under a particularized threat, regardless of whether or not they meet the legal definition of a refugee, regardless of whether or not they work with the U.S. government. I'm saying that as a, as a purely factual, analytical matter, that the, the United States is removing from the country the, the pressure and the, and the political and human capital that could still fight to secure a better future for the people of Afghanistan. And that's just a fact. It doesn't bring me any pleasure to say it. I'm not pretending that this is something that's easy and that it's not tragic, but it just happens to be true. And one one point to really bring this thing home is that 9-11, as you mentioned earlier, the murderous attack by Islamic radicals was made possible because the U.S. State Department granted visas to the 9-11 hijackers. They were in the United States on the permission of the U.S. government. Now, of course, the U.S. government didn't know at the time that they were, um, that they were terrorists because at that moment in history, our, our vetting system was was in shambles, it was a joke. And President Trump did extraordinary things, which we can talk about in another interview, to enhance our vetting. But the point I'm making is that our loose immigration rules, made it possible for the 9/11 terrorists to come into our country and commit this murderous atrocity. So what a cruel and bitter irony that we now have a president who has torn all the guardrails off our immigration system, ignoring one of the principal lessons of 9/11, thereby making it impossible for a for a long-term threat to the homeland because Again, like Europe, we are going to be bringing in, not just from Afghanistan, but from all over the region, we're going to be bringing in massive numbers of people who will include many that are hostile to the American way of life and thereby create an opening for terrorism inside the United States.
0: No, I totally, it is a a major concern and it is one that is not being recognized by most of the media. And I I really think what we're seeing with all this really crystallizes the importance of America first and putting citizens first and also how diametrically opposed the left is to that concept. I mean, we're literally seeing it in the most disgusting terms play out of prioritizing uh, non-citizens over U.S. citizens, uh, you know, what's the likelihood that we get Americans out of Afghanistan by that August thirty first deadline that the Taliban has issued to Joe Biden and he is bowing down to?
4: I think it's slim. Um, the, I mean, look, the reality is, is that the Biden administration is not going to be transparent. They haven't been transparent about how many Americans they evacuated. They haven't been transparent about how many Americans are still left behind, and so we're probably going to be very reliant on alternative media to get the truth about how many Americans are going to be left there after the Biden withdrawal. And everyone that, that I, that I trust who's analyzed this issue regards the chances as being slim, particularly because the people have to make it to the airport in Kabul, Afghanistan is a large country of nearly 40 million people. Uh, So, you know, for Americans who are living outside the capital city, This is a very difficult journey during a very difficult time. But 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 just at a more fundamental level, the only sentence that Joe Biden could have said in keeping with his constitutional oath, in keeping with his moral duty to his own citizens, the only sentence he could have said is the mission will end when all Americans are home. Anything other than that is a dereliction of duty. It's just that simple.
0: No, I agree with you. Should they know how many Americans are in Afghanistan? Is that something that they should have been able to figure out? And if so, why don't they know? Or are they just lying to us?
4: Good question. I don't know what they know or what they don't know. But we are entitled to, a by this point in time, a very solid, accurate estimate of how many citizens left and how many citizens are still there. The how many citizens are left, thing shouldn't be complicated because people will report to authorities as being american citizens when they get on the plane so that should be pretty easy to get as far as how many are still there uh presumably the state department's been contacted by the vast vast majority of them and so i would think we'd have a pretty accurate number at this point in time and one can only assume they're declining to share that number specifically so that the math can't be done like let's let's use common sense here why are they so reticent to answer those two questions how many have left and how many are still there well, it's to prevent you, Lisa, from doing the math, from getting out a calculator and saying, this isn't how many Americans are here. This is how many have left er- Ergo, this is how many were left behind. If so they don't give you those two numbers, like I said, you're going to be relying on alternative media to figure out the answer to those questions. And to figure out how many Americans are, in fact, still stranded there.
0: Quick break. Back with Stephen Miller. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriotscom Lisa.
1: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires.
2: Call eight hundred three 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 four Kia for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include ten year one hundred thousand mile powertrain and five year sixty thousand mile basic. Warranties
0: are limited. See retailer for details. So let's move to the you know the southern border because obviously this has broader implications. Uh, you know we're not just worrying about importing tens of thousands of unvetted people from Afghanistan. We also have a wide open uh, southern border that uh, could also now be exploited for terrorist purposes as well. You know, talk about that correlation and sort of this broader danger of all these entry points into the United States for potential bad
4: actors. Well, but just very simply, the the number of people every single day who are quote-unquote gotaways, in other words, people who make it into the United States without ever even coming into contact with a border agent, depending on estimates uh, from people inside of government, ranges between 1,000 to 2,000 a day. That should be bone chilling to any thinking person. In other words, separate and apart from catch and release, the which is of course endemic across the entire Southwest border, there's another 1 to 2,000 people that are getting in without ever coming into contact with law enforcement. So it's an unconscionable threat to our national security. Again, that's in addition to the expanded refugee resettlement. That's in addition to the termination of the travel ban on high-threat countries. So and this isn't just going to be a one- to two-year problem. As I was saying earlier, this is going to be an intergenerational problem, like we have seen in European countries, where when, you, when, when, when fundamentalist Islamist extremism gets a foothold in the country, it becomes a long-term problem. And that's what is happening today. We're going to be living with the results of this for a very long time.
0: Do you think the media is going to let the Biden administration move on from this? I mean, we see he's always he's already tried to, you know, sort of shift gears by talking about vaccines and trying to change. I mean, we saw the other day when he spoke, his first topics were about uh, the infrastructure bill, which isn't really an infrastructure bill, uh, you know, corporate taxes, all these other things, and then shifting to the what is actually the most important and should have dominated from the beginning, which is Afghanistan. Do you think the media will allow that to happen? Do you think they'll just going to go along with it with Americans left behind?
4: I think what they regard as the earliest opportunity, they, they will try to, but we are not helpless here. Um, again, I use the example of the Syrian refugee issue, um, which, um, I mean, it's impossible to, to really overstate just how badly uh, Obama botched well, Syria and Libya uh, creating, helping to create in Syria and certainly creating Libya a refugee crisis. The media wasn't inclined to cover the threats that that posed to the United States of America um, from either a national security standpoint or just a general public safety standpoint. But conservatives made it into an issue that couldn't be forgotten, that couldn't be neglected and ignored. So whether it's the stranding of American citizens, whether it's the open ended commitment to resettle from Afghanistan, uh, anyone who doesn't wish to live there, um, whether it is the sacking of, of uh, American assets and property in Afghanistan, whether it is the resurgence of ISIS or any of these issues, it's really up to us as conservatives to make it impossible to ignore.
0: Well, and you're doing that with America First Legal. Talk a little bit about what America First Legal is and then some of the some of the lawsuits and projects you guys are working on.
4: Yeah, so just in brief, and you can go to aflegal.org, that's aflegal.org, to get more information. Or you can go to my Twitter handle, at Stephen M., that's at Stephen M. And I'll be starting a Getter account soon as well, where you can follow me. To get all the latest information, but we are the conservative answer to the ACLU. We are already waging and in some cases winning the most important legal battles in the country against Biden's unconstitutional behavior. We have successfully obtained preliminary injunctions against two so-called equity programs that granted government benefits solely on the basis of race. One in the, cases of the case of the restaurant revitalization fund, the other in the case of USDA debt relief, We've worked with states that are suing the Biden administration over its ice abolishing memos and Ken Paxton recently obtained an an injunction in that lawsuit, along with Louisiana, for whom we are outside counsel. We're working with Ken Paxton as well on a lawsuit to shut down COVID catch release on the border. Uh, We will be, Announcing another lawsuit very soon uh, to do with transgender issues. And we are also filing, we just filed a lawsuit to force the disclosure of records relating to the Biden administration determination of the State Department's investigation into the true origins of COVID. And we're involved in many other lawsuits that would be too numerous to mention right now. But the point is that we are at the cutting leading edge of the fight to save America in our courtrooms in the sphere of legal battle. And I urge everyone who wants to help us out on that mission to go again to AFLegal.org.
0: Anything else you want to add before we go? Anything you think it's important to to get across to the audience that isn't being mentioned about all this?
4: I just want to conclude by saying that there's no doubt that there is a humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan and none of us feels anything except endless empathy for the people who will bear the brunt of what is to come in Afghanistan. But if we truly are determined to help relocate people who genuinely qualify for refugee status, then the right answer, The safe answer, the sane answer, is to work with our partners in the region to find them a place to locate nearest their home country, and so that hopefully someday they can go back to their home country and be part of the national rebuilding. Because the future for Afghanistan is not written, it is not clear, it is not certain. The Taliban has a monumental task ahead of it to maintain control over that country. Look at its history. Look at how volatile it's been. The one thing I can assure you is that it is neither in the interest of Afghanistan nor the United States to resettle refugees en masse into our country. History shows this to be true. Common sense shows this to be true. So don't let people tell you that they are that the left is on the side of humanitarianism here. They are not the true humanitarian course of action. To help find people who need it a home closest to where they come from in Afghanistan. And anyone who tells you otherwise just doesn't understand the issue.
0: Stephen Miller, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Appreciate your insight.
4: Thank you so much. <laughs>
0: I want to thank Stephen Miller for taking the time today to break this complex issue down for you guys and for me as well. And I want to thank you for listening, most importantly. You know, if you like this show, if you leave us some comments on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. I do read them, and it actually really helps me to know... You know what you guys think of the show. I, I take it into consideration, and it means a lot to me. So please rate us five stars if you would. Leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at Lisa Marie Booth. I'm also going to be signing up for a Rumble count and locals as well. So stay tuned for that. I'll let you guys know next the next show about that. I also want to thank our uh, team, our producer John Cassio, writer Aaron Kliegman, researcher Isabel McMahon. And our executive producers, Debbie Myers and Speaker Newt Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 Network.